This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk Radio. Before we start this Cosmic Aquaria episode, I'm going to answer one question from a Patreon supporter. If you haven't heard of it yet, Patreon is a crowdfunding platform where our fans can support us through monthly pledges. You can choose to pledge as little or as much as you want, and in return, you get access to things like VIP seats at Star Talk Live and meet and greets with the panel after the show. Also, exclusive interview footage, and in this case, our team selected one cosmic query question from a Patreon patron. I've not seen this question yet. It's waiting for me in my email on my computer. And when I open it, I'll answer it right here, right now. So here I go. Here comes the email. Here it is from Patreon supporter Brad O'Brien in Ottawa, Canada. Here it goes. There are some obvious things to overcome when thinking about colonizing Mars or any planet with little or no atmosphere. I have some experience with remote mining operations and mental health of being isolated is always a big issue. How important do you feel it would be to have a psychologist among the first settlers to deal with the emotional changes necessary for living apart from humanity? Brett, that's a great question. I used to think that would be a big deal. And of course, yes, go ahead, send a psychologist. But I'm old enough to remember these these episodes of The Twilight Zone. And many of these episodes came out right at the dawn of space travel or when people were talking about it. And there were multiple episodes that addressed the issue of loneliness. Being alone in a capsule and possibly going crazy for having no contact with the rest of humanity. 
And I said, wow, this is going to be a big challenge for these long voyages through space. And when I became an adult, I met people who would be perfectly happy never talking to another human being for months and even years on end. Perfectly happy. All right. We call them hermits or, or the people who just don't care about other people. You give them their book, give them a Netflix account, whatever. <laughs> and so, so the isolation might not be the problem for specially selected people, but perhaps the getting along with one another is where you would really need the psychologist. And by the way, NASA has an entire branch of itself at Johnson Space Center in Houston where they concern themselves with the mental health of the astronauts. And so in support of that, the astronauts get, um, we, we learn what their comfort food is in advance and they try to make that work in the menu. They also get a free uh, access to, well, of course it's free. They get, they get to email someone that's on the ground. In fact, one of the American astronauts who was spending a long time on the space station requested that I be his pen pal when he was up in space. And so they gave him my email address and I had sort of private exchanges with, with one of the astronauts and they asked me questions about the universe, it was fun. So uh, yes, definitely send along a psychologist, but then do the psychologists need psychologists? <laughs> Thanks Brad for that question. This is Star Talk. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And I'm here with my co host, Chuck Nice. Yes. Chuck, hey, Neil. Chuck Nice Comic. That's right. Tweet, at, tweet, at Chuck Nice Comic. Tw tweeting. Tweeting away. Love having you as my co-host. I love being here. It's, I feel like I'm, I'm like in the hood when you, when you come in. I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that hood has a zip code of 90210. <laughs> no. They're different hoods, of course. They're different right. hoods. <laughs> um, <laughs> so today, uh, we're doing one of our uh, many installments of Cosmic Queries. Yes. And, and as usual, I don't know anything about the question. No, you have not seen them. And they're called from our social media. That is correct. Uh, StarTalkRadio.net. And, yep. and Facebook and, and Twitter. And Twitter. And so you just pluck them as you see them and put them on the table. If I don't know an answer, I will tell you. Okay. But actually, there hasn't yet been a question where I didn't know the answer. To be honest, there has not. You know, you and I have had this conversation where <clears throat> I said that I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone has ever stumped you. But that's not the point. The but that's point, not the point. Right, it's not the point to stun me. But, of course, we are soliciting questions on the universe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that is my expertise. Right. So we shouldn't be surprised. However, maybe what I'm doing for some of the questions is answering a question that I know and sidestepping the one that was asked. Ooh, do you think I'm doing that? No. Like politicians do that. Like, well, politicians do. Well, no, they, they don't even answer the question. <laughs> They just actually make an entirely new question and then answer that. Yeah, at least mine has got some relevance like, to it. At least it. Yeah, yeah. yours is relevant. Uh, no, I don't think you're doing that uh, because uh, sometimes the answer is we don't know yet. That is the but answer. But, right. So you're still, it's still like you still know the answer because the answer is we don't know yet. Exactly. It's not, so it's a we rather than an I. Right. 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 Okay. Exactly. All right. Let's, let's rock it. All okay. Right. All right. Is, is there a theme? Is there Let's see, this one is... No, no, I mean, is the theme for all the questions today? Today, yes. Okay, what's the theme? Uh, Mars. Mars, okay. Yeah. Hmm? Living. Living on Mars. So Living it's not on just Mars. Mars, but there's something, some, some questions about the planet. It's because we have all this data on what it is to live on Mars. That's, <laughs> that's right, exactly. You get dispatches from the colony that's there <laughs> and we'll give you full info on this. People watching too many Red Planet movies. <laughs> that's what it okay, is. Okay, let's go for it. So here we go. 
All right. Um, this is this is kind of uh, this is from Nancy Lilling on Facebook who wants to know. Do, do we know where they're from? I love knowing where they're from. Um, no. Let me see here. Some of them say okay. A lot of them say not. Okay. okay. If you write in, I always like knowing where you're yeah, from. Yeah. Just remember that because that way Chuck can make fun of your hometown. That, that's, <laughs> absolutely. That's what comedians do. That's right? what we do. That's why comedians people don't know this, but that's why comedians say, "Hey, so where are you from?" <laughs> you know that, and the fact that I am out of material. That's code for I am done with material, or my material is not working. So hey, where are you from? Okay. All right, so Nancy Lilling comes to us from Facebook, and she wants to know about garbage disposal in space. Mm. Because we clearly have a problem with garbage disposal here on Earth. Mm-hmm. So what? how would trash or garbage be disposed of? And if not, what would it do? All right, so here's the problem on Mars. If Mars is sterile, meaning... It's got no life anywhere, mm-hmm. right. not even microbes. If that's the case, that's and we go live on Mars, uh, normally what do you do on Earth with your garbage? You and throw it. Yeah, we don't we don't burn it anymore. What do no, we do? We put it in a landfill. Yeah, we bury it. Right. All right. So you bury the you bury it, and eventually it decomposes. Okay. Right. All right. Now, what's doing the decomposing? Microbes. Uh, organisms. 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 And so, to be biodegradable means there's some biological action on your garbage that's turning it back into the soils from which it came. Okay, so if you are on Mars and you bury the garbage, it will stay that way forever. Oh. Nothing decomposes. Nothing will decompose right. or break down because... Well, not from biological... I mean, it, there are certain molecules that won't last forever. Okay. But on the time scale, that just because of the, 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 the quantum physics of molecular vibrations. I mean, it's a gotcha. whole... It's they're, they're mo- right. That's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. We can so, get right. So, so the actual molecular vibrations may cause the dissolution of some Correct. molecules. Correct, and it's why. And the most stable form of an atom or molecule is when it's in the form of a crystal. Right. And that's stable, and then it's not going it, to. It, that's why diamonds are forever. <laughs> Chuck picked up on no. that. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so unless every unless all of your garbage is in crystalline form, <laughs> right? It's uh, it, it, the larger molecules could ultimately decay. But what you're really banking on is biodegradable, which would happen on a relatively short time scale, you know, years or decades, right? But not thousands of years. So you you need another way to dispose of your garbage. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's basically, you would just turn. So us living there would yep. eventually turn Mars. Into a dump. Into, into a complete dump. That's correct. That's wow. exactly right. And, and, and what does it mean for there to be fertilizer in the ground? It means, you know, there are microbes interacting. You'd have to create a whole biota right. there. And you'd have to terraform Mars in advance before you Before did you could actually do that. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Or you could just dump your stuff on Pluto. It's not <laughs> even a planet anymore, right? So we just take our trash from Mars keep, and sh- shoot at the Pluto. Keep dumping on Pluto. Just dump on Pluto. <laughs> now, here's, uh, now, you might ask, I don't know if they did, but you could ask, why not just send all the garbage to the sun? That, that'd okay. be the ideal disposal. Now, I can't believe you just said that. Why? Because when I was a kid, yeah. and I was very disturbed by the commercials that I saw where there was an Indian who shed one single tear for all the trash that was polluting our earth. I remember that commercial. Yes, yes. and I would get well, so... Well, polluting the United States. No, right, there exactly. No Indians and, were, right. There, there, the there are Indians. no Indians except for in India, but they're different <laughs> Indians. <laughs> and back then, not that we're being 
uh, insensitive. Back then, the concept of Native American didn't quite kick in yet. No, so not at all. There was an Indian guy with a headdress, right? And he and saw humans, uh, Amer- Americans, gringos, gringos, th- right? Gringos throwing garbage out their window, and then the, he turned. He to would the turn the camera, and it was a tear, right? Yeah. Just one single tear streaming down his his face. I remember that his non-Indian actor face. <laughs> Is that what it was? <laughs> Basically, no. yeah. No, was it? Yeah, he wasn't an Indian. That, that, guy was Ital- that guy was Italian. No, don't I'm tell not, me that. I'm not lying. I saw a whole like little a mini documentary on how he was not an Indian. Not even Indian. Or, or Native American. Native American not right. at all. He was an Italian guy that actually took on the entire persona. But anyway, I used to see that commercial and I would Wait, get, wait, 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 wait. Go ahead. Wait, 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 wait. Go the, ahead. The, 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 the Clint Eastwood movies. Uh, we're all Italians, right? The yes. Spaghetti Westerns? Spaghetti Westerns. Playing, playing Mexicans. Playing Mexicans. So Italians, pl- they got a thing going. Well, yeah, you know what it is? Because they're white enough to be white, but yet somehow olive enough to play somebody else. <laughs> okay. So, because from, from, from northern to southern Italy, <laughs> exactly. you got the whole spectrum. You got the spectrum. Right, right so to the was... Mediterranean ones, to the northern ones. Exactly. I, I so, you know, they, Hollywood was just like, hmm, we can't actually use a Native American. <laughs> Get me an Italian guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so, so your point was so about my this point commercial. Was I would fantasize as a kid from seeing this commercial about putting all the trash in the world in a rocket and shooting it into the sun, and it would burn up before it ever even reached the sun. Right, that's what would happen. That's correct. You lose your you lose your rocket too. Yeah. So so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. If it's close enough to burn the trash, you're burning the rocket. Right. So. <laughs> Uh, so this this great, brilliant, geeky idea you had as a kid. Uh, the problem is it costs a lot of energy, uh, it, 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 money and energy and rocket fuel just to do that. Right. And it's not quite, you know, it, no. It's, right. It, it's not cost effective. Because first of all, it, it takes so much fuel just to get the rocket off the ground. Just to get it the hell off of Earth. Right. right. So let alone all the garbage that would have to be in the rocket. Right now it's $10,000 a pound. And if we're uh, to oh. put anything just into orbit, forget about even leaving Earth. So if is, is your garbage worth $10,000? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think not. Yes, and that is why you ended up being an astrophysicist <laughs> and I ended up being a comic. All right. Well, that was great. Fascinating stuff. Who knew we would get all that out of t- I know, some sorry. trash? I, I didn't mean Who to knew? eat up the whole segment no, here. No, that's but, awesome. All right. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, this is from Tanner Thompson. Tanner doesn't tell us where he's coming from, mm-hmm. but... Uh, oh, by should... the way, are you pronouncing these people's names right? Uh, well, I, I don't think I'm screwing up Tanner Thompson. Did I tell you where I was when someone said, I love it when Chuck mispronounces the names? Did I hear it? Somebody <laughs> no, said that. somebody said that. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad somebody loves it, because believe me, it is not going to stop happening. It will continue to happen. I'm awful at it. Okay. But then I saw that Bob Schieffer is bad at it, too, oh, yeah? so okay. I feel better about All it. Right. All right, so Tanner Thompson says this. We should already be jettisoning garbage into the sun. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? Forget this question. Sorry, Tanner. We just answered your question. Oh, so well, how did he word it? Just to he, make- he put like this. He was like, uh, I'm sure we can streamline the process. He was talking about cost effectiveness. Yeah. I'm sure we can streamline the process, given some experimentation to make it cost effective. I think you just told us that that's not no, no, the case. And I'll give me another reason, just what I didn't make clear. Okay. Earth is in orbit around the sun. We are not we are not falling straight towards the sun. Right. We are in mm-hmm. orbit around the sun. An elliptical okay. orbit, too. Indeed. Okay. You're showing off now. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that while I'm drinking. Okay. Yeah, don't do any spit laughs while you're here. Uh, and so you, 
in order to send something towards the sun, you have to undo Earth's orbital speed so that it has no orbital speed at all, and then it falls straight in. Gotcha. So you have to reverse move it against the orbit of the Earth. Right. And we're going around the sun, uh, what is it, 18 miles per second, something like that. Wow. Last I checked. That's pretty fast. Yeah, that's fast. 18 miles a second. So take your garbage, launch it 18 miles a second backwards. Backwards. And then it'll just fall into the sun. Oh, my God. So the answer is, this is never going to happen. You have to value your garbage so much to want to do this, too. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Well, then, hey, Tanner, I take it back. That was actually um, a useful question. We got a little more insight, so we appreciate Uh, it. The solution is make biodegradable stuff or stuff that will degrade under ultraviolet light. Ah. Yeah, and on Mars, there's a, f- a, there's a flow of ultraviolet light. There's a light. ton of that up yeah, there. They don't, they don't have an ozone layer to protect exactly. them. Exactly. And this ultraviolet light's coming from the sun, and ultraviolet light is higher energy than other kinds of light. Enough energy to break apart molecules if you make the molecules the right way. So if you were able to you know, create a facility where you could magne- maybe magnify or just focus the ultraviolet light, you might be able to just break that. You could, you could tear up the garbage or something t- good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. So it would be uh, UV degradable rather than just uh, Instead of biodegradable, bio- yeah. UV degradable. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds almost like Ebonics. <laughs> <What>? UV degradable. <laughs> UV no, that's UB degradable. Excuse me. Yeah, correct that, Ebonics. Correct that, Ebonics. That's not UV degradable. UB degradable. All right. Enough of that. Here we Ebonics. go. I haven't heard Ebonics in like 30 years. I know. Still- I just, I'm bringing it back. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is from uh, John Huggins. John wants to know, in preparing to go to Mars, are there or will there be a need to be international treaties that dictate the governance of Mars. If yes, that would be the what would be the key aspects of those treaties. In other words, do we have a? First of all, we've been on the moon, so I'm sure there's something that governs that. Not so really. Could, yeah. No, not really. Well, no. So no, could, governs it. It says that you can't own cosmic objects. Okay. Yeah. So the inner space, the outer space treaty has provisions in it that says this, the universe is a frontier right. and you can't own it. You can't, there's, there's no sovereign control over it. Now, at some point, that's going to have to change. Right, because Be- we have Vladimir Putin now. <laughs> you go to Mars and people start pitching their flag and they build a home. Well, you can't say that no one owns the home. I built the damn home. That's true. So what is likely, or rather what is, has been proposed, okay. is that you put a homesteading kind of rule in place. All right. The homesteading is if you paid the money to get there and you built your own damn house, that's your land. So Bill Gates will be owning Mars, <laughs> basically is what you just told me. Just the rich folks. Yes, Bill Gates and uh, Richard Branson. Well, they kind of do that. Richard Branson owns his own island, right? That's, that's your They're right. kind of already doing that. They kind of already do that. Right. But what it means is on that island, he hires servants and gardeners and everything. So there's a business case for people to do this. Right. And why did the United States promote homesteading? To spread the frontier, exactly. to move the frontier. And and this is how you grow cities and communities. And so it's, it will. I'm thinking it'll go that route. Because don't say, well, Earth, we own all little patches of this speck called Earth, but the whole universe, no one owns it. You right. I, I don't see that as the natural consequence of human exploration. Oh, or human nature. Or, yeah, that's what I really meant to say. Because <laughs> the real deal is, from the time that we are little teeny kids, the first one of the first words we say or sentences is, 
That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. Even when it's not yours, that's, yeah. it's yours. That's, right. That's, and 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 especially in America, what's the the one of the first games we learn how to play when we know how to play any good game? It's Monopoly. That's so true. And who wins? The one who has all, all the property. The- <laughs> <laughs> Game's not over until I win it all. Yes, I own everything, and you have nothing. nothing. Right? Oh my God! Right? Talk about talk and about we brainwashing. We celebrate this. We celebrate that, and we say, "Wow, you were good." <laughs> <laughs> that is like the height of oh my capitalism. God, you crushed me. I'm a complete and utter pauper now. What, I was. When You're I was, good. When I was in graduate school, there was a fellow a graduate student who was from Russia. Right. And I was describing Monopoly to him. And when I got to that point, and the winner has all the money and all the property, <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, this is this is like before the Cold War ended, right? Right?" And it was like it was not playing well in his no, because he was looking at you like you capitalist pig. <laughs> that's yeah, because that's basically wow. <laughs> I never looked at it that way, but that's a whoa. Now, let me tell you my favorite Monopoly joke. Go ahead. It was by. Um, What's the dude's name from Boston who's kind of surreal? Uh, Stephen Wright? Stephen Wright, yeah. Okay. So he said, uh, I, I'm, I'm angry that only one company makes the game Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good joke. That's, that's not good. That's a, that's that, a good joke. That's, I love the irony of it. All right, let's move on to, okay, here we go. Joseph Magalanes. Just keep, just keep trying. Just Joseph <laughs> Magalanis. <laughs> sure. Okay. Joseph says. <laughs> Anything you say, Chuck. Yes. <laughs> Joseph says, greetings. Will we be able to one day grow vegetation outside the conventional greenhouse on Mars? If so, how long would it take and what would we need to do to make it so? Yeah. So I, I, I don't claim myself to be a botanist or an expert on this, mm. but let me tell you what I know as a physicist. As a physicist. Okay. Right. So plants require carbon dioxide. That's Correct. what they take in. And the carbon that's in there becomes fundamental to their to their molecular structures okay. and the lignin and all that's what it's that's why a tree can grow exactly right it's not taking soil and turning soil into a tree no it's taking carbon, carbon dioxide, dioxide out of and, the atmosphere and using photosynthesis yeah, exactly to turn it, and using, then releasing oxygen as the byproduct and the oxygen is its waste right and we and then other animals thrive on that waste exactly okay so basically people you're breathing in the Earth's poop. <laughs> no, no, you're okay. Bre- that's no, you, what you're doing. You're, you're breathing their their belches. Really. Their belches. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's that's gaseous. true. Because it's gases. It's gas. Okay. We have solid, liquid, and gas. That's true. Effluences. So, <laughs> okay. so yeah, you're breathing the Earth belches. You breathe it in. Exactly. Just like uh, honey is bee barf. I that's heard it. it called. Right. So, uh, so uh, Mars it, Mars's atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide. Okay. So. It's got the carbon dioxide. Very thin, mm-hmm. but it's mostly carbon dioxide. So what you need is nutrients in the soil. Gotcha. So it needs the nutrients to then enable all of its chemical processes to occur. So it might – oh, but we have to watch out because of the heavy-duty ultraviolet light coming in. Right. Ultraviolet is hostile oh. to molecular to, – to, to, to biochemistry. Gotcha. It's just hot. So in other words, the, 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 the photon of ultraviolet light comes in and it sees a, 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 an organic molecule. Mm-hmm. And just zaps it. Zaps it. Breaks it apart. So, so you would need a filter 
a filter, for that. A filter, a UV filter, and so, and toss in some nutrients. Some nutrients in the soil. So, and, and I think the, the, the CO2 might be enough to keep – it won't go f- grow fast because right. it's very thin, but it, it's going to enjoy the CO2. Nice. So it is possible. And if you do that, then out comes the oxygen, and then you wait long enough, and this is the beginning of terraforming. Right. Mars. And then, uh, then the cycle – then that's when the cycle happens. You got it. Well, that's sweet. So, Chuck, I blathered for that whole segment. We only got like two or three questions answered. I'm sorry. No, that's great. <laughs> when we come back – Maybe I'll speed up my answers and we'll okay. get more of the questions coming through on Star Talk. Stay tuned. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business absolutely positively fedex whether you're a family vacation traveler business tripper or long weekend adventurer choice hotels has a stay for any you and that's good because there are a lot of me's choice hotels has over 7400 locations and 22 brands including comfort hotels radisson hotels and cambria hotels get the best value for your money when you book with choice hotels cambria hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. PXG.com slash StarTalk, code StarTalk. 
We're back on Star Talk. Physicist. I don't know if you know, I serve as the director of the Hayden Planetarium right here in New York City, which is a wholly owned subdivision of the American Museum of Natural History. And Chuck is here with me in studio. Yes, yes I am. Chuck Nice. Yes. And, uh, Cosmic Queries edition of Star Talk. Absolutely. Uh, going to Mars. And if I don't know an answer, I'll just say I don't know. But uh, That's not going to happen. <laughs> Chuck, right. Let's be for real. All right, bring it on. Yes, that's not going to happen. Bring it on. All right, here we go. Uh... Next question. Next check. Okay. So this is somebody who wants to know about the atmosphere and the gravity on Mars. Mm -hmm. But I love the way that Stephen Matlow uh, phrases this question, somewhat inventive. And this came over which which path? This came over Facebook. Mm -hmm. And he says, okay, Neil, when the New York Yankees play (laughs) a road series against the Mars Cosmos... (laughs) How big will the outfield have to be to prevent everybody from hitting home runs? Also, will the pitcher throw faster in the atmosphere or slower? And will he or she, this guy's very liberal. Nice. He's got a female pitcher in the major league Mm -hmm. interstellar uh, uh, interplanetary, Inter- interplanetary, mm-hmm. not interstellar. Interplanetary baseball league. Will she, will he or she be able to throw a curve ball? Mm-hmm. And he, um, take it back. Stephen is coming from Livingston, Montana. Livingston, Montana. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Flat country. Uh, now here's something. I've I- never seen a mountain in his life. <laughs> That's why it's called Montana. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I was in Montana recently. I gave a talk in Bozeman, Montana. Oh, really? Yep. 6,000 people showed up for it. Nice. I didn't know that many people lived in Montana. Uh, I think you had the entire state there, (laughs) to be honest. And by the way, I was joking about uh, mountains, because there are mountains in Montana. That's why it's called Montana. Exactly. Mont. It's big sky. Big sky. It's big sky, but there are mountains in Montana. But uh, go ahead. Uh, So... Here's his question. I I got the question. I remember You read it. I got it. I have a good memory. Excuse me. (laughs) I have an awesome memory from three minutes ago. I know. (laughs) So so, um, a couple of things don't change and other things do. Okay. The pitcher does not throw faster because that's just their musculoskeletal capacity to do so. All right. The ball will not slow down as much between release of the fingertip and crossing home plate because the air is thinner. And there is air resistance to the ball right. that slows it down. I don't know. It may be 10 miles an hour or five, whatever it is, five miles an hour. It's not traveling for very long, so it, but it will slow down a little bit. It does that in the majors. Uh, it will do that on Mars, but it will slow down by a little bit less. A little bit less. But that's not the major thing going on here. The Martian atmosphere is very thin. Gotcha. It's like 1% of our thickness. And it's the air, the movement of the ball through the air that enables it to curve. Right. So curveballs would be very hard on Mars. Because you don't have the air or the thickness the of the thickness air. The thickness of the air. For those, those what are they called? Stitches. Stitches, yes. Right? <laughs> is that what they call? Is that what they call the stitches on a ball? The stitches? They call that, them the stitches. The yeah. stitches? Do they call the stitches on the ball the stitches? Yes. <laughs> but, you know, that's what's causing that rotation. Well, it, 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 it assists it. Even it if it didn't it. have stitches, you'd it, still have still some, move. you could still move it. Right. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. But the stitches help it. Definitely. But without the the thickness of the air, you can't get that movement? Uh, you don't get as much movement. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get as much movement. Now, it is windy on Mars, so you could throw an awesome knuckleball. 
Nice. Because knuckleballs don't rotate, and so they're not stable moving through the air. Right. Rotating things are stabilized. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's why footballs, a rotating football exactly, is stable. It's spinning. Spinning. Okay. So uh, a, a knuckleball does not spin. Therefore, it is susceptible to any possible puff of air that comes across its so path. So you could use a, a windy day knuckleball to create the the – the effect of a curveball. Well, yeah, but it, it'll, it'll curve in a way that you can't predict. And right. that's why catchers are always dropping knuckleballs. Because gotcha. they don't know where the hell yeah, they're... The, you know, the, the ball's jiggling and wiggling, and, right. and it comes in. And so uh, the number of pass balls, pass knuckleballs by a, by a catcher mm-hmm. is, is huge relative to other pitchers. Because it's a surprise ball. Well, it's a surprise ball for everybody, right. even the pitcher. A curveball, the catcher calls for the curveball. So they right. know so he knows what he's doing. Yeah, they know where, where it's coming. So, See, so this, those is what I love. this is what I love about you, man. I mean this. I, I swear to God. See, th- this is what's great. We're talking about baseball on Mars, but yet you know all this crap about baseball. <laughs> well, how does this happen? <laughs> No, you know what it is. It's not like I mean, but I like who does, I'm. Uh, I'm a red blooded American. I like me some baseball and hot dogs, okay? okay, and apple pie. All right. So just start there. Okay. Okay. So now the rest of it is just because I go to a baseball game and I'm curious about it. Like I just ask questions of the game and of myself relevant to the game. Gotcha. So for example, I say to myself, suppose you're hit by a pitch on ball four. Right. You ought to be able to go to second base. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying. Yeah, true. I'm just saying. No, that makes sense okay. when you think about it. I'm just, so, right. These are the kind of questions I asked about the game. That's very funny. Okay. Yeah. So uh, now. Uh, <laughs> we got to get that rule in baseball. That's awesome. Okay. So now, uh, how far, how big a f- stadium would you have to make? M- Martian gravity is about 40% of Earth's gravity. Okay. So if you weigh 100 pounds on Earth, you weigh 40 pounds, pounds on, on or 38 pounds on Mars. Gotcha. So 200 pounds, you weigh 80 pounds, which is great because the muscles that you have for carrying a 200-pound body uh, will now be operating in an 80-pound body. So you'd be right. able to jump higher. Okay. Yeah. You'd be able. To, yeah. So there's. So maybe you'd make the infield a little bigger because you'd be leaping. Uh, you know, you'd have to sort of adjust that. There'd be some trial and error on this right. to get the ideal field size. Now, when you hit a home run, the ball is doing two things: it's going forward and it's going upwards. Up. Right. Okay. And then it finishes going upwards, and then it starts coming downwards while it's still going forwards. Right. Each of those have a different effect. Okay. How far you, how fast you can hit the thing going forward has nothing to do with being on Mars. Okay. That's just how, how fast did you swing right. back. Right, that's your, that's your swing okay. strength. It's your swing strength. Now, the Mars, the ball going up, okay, the same force will have the ball go higher Correct. than on Earth, which means it will travel farther simply because it'll go higher. Right. All right, and so you got to do the math. I haven't done the math on that. So well, I yeah. You, you, I don't have, if I were to guess, uh, you know, make it 40% bigger. I mean, just as, well, a, yeah, as, as a first as cut. As a general rule. Just a first just cut. Just a first cut. And probably if I do the math, there are some adjustments in there. Right. So a 400 dead center field, a 40% greater than that would be 160 more feet. And is that right? Yeah, four times. Yeah, 160 more feet. So it'd be 560 feet dead center. Right. To, just to recreate the, just same, recreate the likelihood same likelihood, likelihood of, a, of a home run. Now, 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 that means outfield is huge. Right. Which means you got to have some fast outfielders. <laughs> that is true. You might have to add two more outfielders to it. Yeah, that's because exactly. it, it, it fans out from home plate. Right. Right. So if you if it's if it's five hundred sixty dead center, 
you know, you're you're gonna be missing a lot of balls unless yeah. you be like little league. You had a fourth outfield. <laughs> <laughs> you might need two more outfielders, dude. That's amazing. And, and, and a shoestring catch would be awesome because you would jump and you just keep, keep going. You just keep going. exactly. <laughs> Just out of the stadium, <laughs> in, into the locker room. <laughs> what a catch, and he's in the showers. That's fantastic, man. So hey, they, Stephen, what a fascinating question. There man. you go. That was great. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great stuff. All right, let's... Um, By the way, I, would, I don't know if I'd call him the Martian Cosmos. Why not call him like the Martian... Hmm. Uh, there's got to be a better name for it than just Cosmos. Plus, uh, you know... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Finally, uh, the World Series would apply to something Wait, other than how about the United the, States. The, the, the Mars Reds. The we Reds. The, the, we have the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. How about the Mars Reds? The Mars are much more justifiably much, called the Reds. Exactly. Right. Uh, you know what the, where the red color comes from? It comes from rust on the Martian surface. Is that just why is it iron? Iron, iron on the Martian Oxidized iron. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the Mars Reds would be good. Yeah, the Mars Reds. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Can't wait to buy tickets to that game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bring oxygen, by the Yeah, way. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. This is from Mike Draws. <laughs> Dude, don't ask me. Come okay, on. Go on. Go. My question pertains to the potential human offspring on Mars. Mm-hmm. Has there been any research done re- regarding a child's physical development in an environment so different than ours? Even if we managed to terraform Mars, we'd still be living in uh, different gravitational conditions. What would that do? Yeah. So our body ha- has evolved for Earth gravity. Okay. So what's interesting, and I don't think we have the answer to this, is if you're born in 40% gravity and you spend your whole life in that gravity right. and you come back to Earth, right. will the body say, oh, thanks, I'm back to my own 1G force? Uh-huh. And Or will it say, whoa, this is not good. This is terrible. This is terrible. Now we kind of crushing under my own weight. We kind of do that when you send an astronaut in zero g for a year and they come back to Earth, right? Okay, we already know the effects of lower gravity. Your bone density drops and other things, and then they come back to Earth and they don't die well, on yeah, the spot, no. right? You know, so so it may might not be as bad as you think. But now would that change? Over, I mean, this is a, a biological question. Yeah. But would that change over time through adaptation so that – so we come back to Earth after being in zero-G, and your body always seeks an equilibrium. Okay. So, so that's why we go back. Okay. So uh, let me, I got to straighten something out. Right, 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 right. Straighten something out right here. Uh, life does not adapt. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. No, Hold on for a second. No, no um, life form ever adapted okay, to anything. Okay. See, now I have to see my whole mind is going blank because I got to change the way I think about everything okay. right now. Adaption implies that you're in one environment and then you go to another one and then you're physiologically adapt to it. Okay. That no, that so does not happen. What happens is in the genetic variation of any generation. Right. Some people have certain properties that others don't. Okay. Correct. Okay. You go into a new environment and everyone does who does not have the properties to survive dies. dies. They are summarily removed from the gene pool. And the one person who had that property in advance in advance survives. Right. And they so therefore they did not adapt. Right. They, they were fit to survive. In that environment. In that, Correct. They were the fittest. Of survival. Correct. 
And so when the word adaptation, it's true in the broad sense of a species, right? but there's no active adaptation ever going on at all. Wow. So you go to Mars and you know, you might grow accustomed to it, but you're not going to come bi- bi- gotcha. biogenetically adapted. Right, to you're it. not going to come back with three fingers and antenna. <laughs> because right. you needed because that you on needed Mars. Because you needed that on Mars. Right, exactly. Right. No. Unless you came there with that. Because <laughs> you started out. <laughs> send, send the three-fingered antenna people to Mars. They'll be just fine. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, well, we got 10 seconds left here. So, let me add something else to this. Go ahead. So, so it could be that on Mars, our kind of people uh, fail. You don't mean black people. No, no. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. No, uh, regular, quote, regular humans, <laughs> right. as we currently know ourselves, doesn't work out well on Mars. But someone gives birth to a kind of human that uh, can breathe a different mixture of oxygen or uh, you know, a variation that is just natural in what goes on. And then they become the dominant uh, strain of the human species there. That's how you end up speciating. Right. Because uh, then they have a variation that's even better right. and even better and so even better. So these are genetic mutations. Essentially. These, it's not yeah. an adaptation. No, it's, it's a genetic mutation. Correct. That happens to be able to be good for that environment. And then you run it through and then others die off and then you have just speciated the human race. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And, and this is how you get all the weirdest freaking creatures in Australia. Uh, Really? Yes, that's why you have like marsupials. And I thought couched. you were going to say on Star Trek. <laughs> no, in Australia, it's an it, right. Australia is a continent right. island right. that hasn't touched mainland exactly. in, in in millions of years, right. and the creatures just do their thing. That's so funny. So you have a a, a species that is a mammal where the baby is born outside of uh, the womb yeah, and, and then crawls and, up into the pouch, and then and then you have the duckbill platypus that right. lays eggs, but it's a mammal. mammal. Wait, wait, wait. Right. That's how weird stuff happens. Sweet. <laughs> We gotta. We'll come back to Star Talk. More cosmic weather with Chuck. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. We're back. Star Talk. Grass Tyson here. Chuck Nice there. Yes, I am. Chuck. You're helping with the Cosmic Queries. Yes, we are. You're all our listeners send in questions, and they get solicited. And uh, th- this topic uh, this week is... Mars. Mars, going to Mars, hanging out and on Mars. Living on Mars. I, yes. I got a few answers there, I think. Am I, am I doing okay? I think you're doing great. I got to tell you, it. this has been fascinating. The whole baseball thing, I... When I read the question, I was like, okay, maybe we'll get something. That was amazing. Oh, but, okay. Now, someone who just tuned in now, now they can't go well, back. Well, you know what? That's why you should listen to the whole show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Make people feel bad about tuning That's in right. late. Don't tune in in the middle of the show. <laughs> okay. Stop that. Yeah, All right. We talked about baseball on Mars. That's yes, we, we did. did. So back okay. the show up and listen. Okay? <laughs> All right. All right. Here's the deal. Let's go to uh, Tony Williams. And the only reason I'm reading his question. Because you can pronounce the man's name. <laughs> All right? Okay. <laughs> Tony Williams. No, he starts it off this. Hey, Chuck, over here. <laughs> he knew it was going to be you. Okay. How funny is that? Okay, that's good. Hey, that's Chuck, good. over here. Pronounce my name, Chuck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, would it be more practical to send inflatable habitats or artificial habitats or send a large-scale 3D printer to make the habitats? In other words, how do you build your habitat on Mars. All right, so I think initially you want to send the habitats ahead. Right. And then, you, and then you get people there who can, and then, you know, ship the ingredients for a 3D printer. And I think the 3D printer comes later. That's what, that's what I think. Right. You, you don't want the first thing the 3D, 3D printer makes is your housing. <laughs> you don't want to test it on your housing. Right. right? <laughs> you know, it's kind of drafty in here, in this Mars house. <laughs> I'm thinking you want to go there with a known hab module, habitat right. module. Right. So later on, uh, by the way, you could. I don't. I can't imagine life on another planet without a 3D printer. Suppose something breaks, right. a, a fan blade or a circuit board, or right. and you just you just dial it up on the 3D printer and, and you, you put, print it. You pour in the right ingredients. Is right. it uh, is it silicon dioxide? Is it um, is it you know some other ingredient to make? Is it metals of some kind? Iron, steel, whatever. And then it prints it out, and then you've got your tools. So then all you have to transport is your ingredients. Ingredients. You don't have to transport the actual stuff. Your raw ingredients. And I saw a th- – they didn't call it a 3D printer, but that's what it was. It's, it's called an in-situ resource utilization machine at NASA. Really? Right. It has more syllables. So right. ISRU, so right. Which means it's good. <laughs> it means it's way better than yeah, stuff just with way fewer than, syllables. Right. So in that, you pour in aluminum dust. And it takes it and it fuses it by laser into the shape that the CAD drawing tells it to make. Sweet. And so they may – that's why I have examples of this at home. I have a, I have a, a screen. I have a, a fan blade. I have oh, these shapes that are not right. even symmetric. Right. And there it is. So, yeah, 
uh, that's, I think that's the future. So send the habitat and then make sure the next thing you bring is a 3D printer. With raw ingredients. With raw ingredients. Correct. So you can make everything. Who knew that we would actually have replicators like Star Trek? That Gene Roddenberry was a genius. Yes, on many levels, that's correct. Oh, in many dimensions. That is unbelievable. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, Tony Williams, that was a very, very good question. All right. Uh, this is Nate Owens. How do you spell that? O W N S A Z O W N Z. Owns, yeah, yeah. Owns. Okay, all right. What do you own, Nate? Uh, my last name. So <laughs> stupid. Okay. Where is he from? Anywhere? Where is he from? Uh, Nate is from. Not okay, here's what you do. If they don't say where they're from, say this is from Earth. Okay, okay. this is Nate owns from Earth. <laughs> okay, there you go. go. On. Dr. Tyson, with the financial cost of going to Mars being so high, what are some of the advantages of this mission over sending uh, a dozen other missions to find life on the moons of Jupiter or Saturn? Why is Mars more important or less important or equally important as Jupiter or Saturn, whose moons we think may have life? So if you're only going to explore... Then we're sending robots, and the robots to Mars are a couple hundred million dollars. That's actually cheap in the big scale of, of space exploration. Right. What, when we say Mars is expensive, we're not talking about sending rovers. We're talking about sending people. That's what's expensive. You know why? Because the people generally want to come back. Yes. All right? And so, and they want to eat and not die while they're there. Those typically. selfish bastards. <laughs> typically. Always thinking of, that's all you think about. That's where the <laughs> half a trillion dollar costs come out. Gotcha. So if you only, quote, only exploring the solar system, you take you get robots to do that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, uh, the, a mission to Mars with a large robot is about the same as a mission to Jupiter with a medium or small-sized robot to, gotcha. to Europa or Io or Enceladus. Enceladus? Or, yeah, yeah. No, not celibate. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. Enceladus. <laughs> That's the planet I'm on. <laughs> Been married 17 years. <laughs> I'm in celibus. That's my planet. Go ahead. So, <laughs> so, so uh, so yeah, so that's not the that's so, not the issue. So yeah, so if you want to send people, there's where the expense is. All right. So now, what is more important? Is it more important to to explore these moons that you know either through you know the gravitational pull or through you know the fact that they have these oceans? That's a great question. What, when you, what's more important? No, when you design a mission, you have to you kind of need to know in advance what questions you want the robot to be asking. Right. right. When I say robots, I mean space probes, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like humanoid robots. In fact, right. why would anyone make a robot in the shape of a human? We're not the most efficient way to move, to think, right. to – so give me something that works, right? Because you want it to look like you. It makes you feel better. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I never felt that way. No? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because then it's like your child. Like, you know, it's harder to dismantle your baby. <laughs> okay. Or, or at least it should be. Okay. <laughs> wait, All right. Wait, 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 I didn't finish that. Okay. Um, so, so the real cost is sending humans, and uh, but with a robot, if you want to uh, explore the rings of Saturn or the magnetic field uh -huh. or the the radiation levels or the volcanoes that are on some of these moons, right. you've got to know in advance what package of experiments you're going to put together on it. And I, I, my colleagues, they, they live for that. Right. So, because they're so, planetary astronomers, I, I'm an extragalactic guy. Oh. Yeah, I worry about galaxies. Galaxies, yeah. Yeah, they do planets. Yeah. Man, he's, go ahead and do your planets. Do your planets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 
worried about bigger things. You know what I mean? I'm worried about galaxies. Okay. So Chuck, we're at the we're at the four minute mark. All right. Or, or, you know what that means. Let me tell you. So Chuck, we're under five minutes. So you know what that means. Yep. The lightning round. Lightning okay. round. Right, I will give soundbite answers to every question you give me. Okay. okay. Ready? Go. All right. Tyson Magone or McGown wants to know: Is there geolo geological activity on Mars? And if so, what would its impact have on a station there? I, I don't remember the latest. I know that Mars is more dead than it ever was in the past. Gotcha. And because it's when you cool down. Uh, from your formation energy, right? Then there's there's no turbulence under your crust, right? Earth still has energy deep yeah. within for, from some leftover energy, uh, a lot of energy from radioactive decay of right. elements, and and so we have convection in our mantle that moves continents. That we have continental drift and volcanoes and every all kind of mountain building, right? So Mars not so much today. Gotcha. Yeah, so uh, you set up base camp there. You don't have to worry about coming back later and have it being flooded with volcanic lava or have it shifted in some new place. So don't worry about it for Mars. Sweet. All right. All right. It's largely because Mars is smaller than Earth, and it cools faster because of that. Okay. Yes. Yes. Boom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, by the way, that's why small potatoes cool faster than large potatoes. Oh, really? Even if they come out of the oven at the same temperature. Ah. Well, that explains my career. <laughs> small potatoes. <laughs> Two small potatoes. Small potatoes, baby. <laughs> small potatoes. Okay. All right, go. All right. Is there any way to revive Mars's magnetic field? This is from uh, Powell, 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 uh, Powell. Powell Carpicky. We're going to use half our time listening to you pronounce people's names. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, the magnetic field on Earth is sustained okay. because Earth's, Earth's mantle and Earth's core is alive. And what I mean by alive is there's moving material, and in our iron core, if you move iron, which is itself conducts electricity, Correct. you drive what's called a dynamo, and you create a magnetic field. Nice. Yeah. So if, but if your if your planet is like dead, right? It's not. It's geologically dead. So you'd have to like go down to the core of Mars and heat it up and start moving that iron in a liquid liquefied form again. Okay. So the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes, the answer is no. Yes, the answer is no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Boom. Okay. All right, I think we got time for one more. Here one we go. More. Brad Smith wants to know, once a colony were established, would it be possible to connect the computers and networks on both planets? In other words, could we have internet on Mars? So this would be interplanet net. Interplanet net. Uh, so uh, by all means, the problem is there'd be a time delay. When Mars is close, that that internet signal would take maybe a few minutes, and when Mars is far, it could take up to twenty minutes or a half hour. I'd, I'd have to do the math, but uh -huh. it's many, many minutes. So you 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 wouldn't be able to do like a massively parallel uh, interplanetary war game, right? Right, because you get shot before you even knew that you got shot, right? Because by the time the information got to you to duck, it's too late. You got you done got shot, right? Okay, so, okay. <laughs> right. So it would restrict what kinds of instantaneous communication internet may require, mm -hmm. but other kinds it doesn't. If you're just watching a YouTube video, sure, go right. go right ahead. So modern combat, no <laughs> email, yes, 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 and and the uh, there's talk of using pulsars in the galaxy as a kind of GPS for wherever you are in the solar system. 
no wow. longer requiring on the GPS satellites of one planet or another. Because they are, the, the pulsars rotate very rapidly and they send out a pulse of radio waves. And so they are precision timing devices oh, oh, that God. sit outside of everybody's atmosphere. And so you could have an interplanetary timekeeping system that'll serve almost in the same capacity as GPS. Turn left at the brown dwarf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bam! Bada, this, bam! There, there we go. go. Bada bing. Uh, Chuck, thanks for thanks for being as always. Uh, as always, a pleasure, man. Rocking these Cosmoquarians. Always fun. Uh, you've been listening to Star Talk Radio. I bid you this Neil Tyson. As always, I bid you to keep looking up. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.